0: Everybody, welcome back to a, another edition of Two Strike Noise. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Jeff Paulson. Sitting across from me, waving his arms at me, is my co-host, Mark A. Johnston. Hello, Mark. How you doing over there?
1: Hey, Jeff. I was excited. I remembered to wear pants this week. <laughs> Trust me. I thank <laughs> I thank you for
0: that. The, yeah. Because you you go commando a lot of the time and. Yeah, it's not a good thing. Uh, So, Mark, let's we're going to do we're going to do a choose your own adventure style show again this week. I'm going to give you two topics and you can choose which one you think we should talk about. So uh, first topic is a baseball history, which I'm going to admit we've done quite a few on baseball history now. So, you know, maybe maybe we switch it up. Yeah, maybe. Or, Or B we rank from best to worst the shows on the TLC network about people with six or more kids
1: ooh man i tell you what that's so tempting because you know of all those shows i watch probably none of them so <laughs> it's
0: probably um, not that informed
1: let me uh, let me count let me think about it. no you know what i think we should go with baseball history
0: all right so that it works out well cuz then we don't really have to change the name the format right. the branding right. the social media
1: Or the research that we did. Yeah. 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 Oh,
0: that's right. I did research on baseball history this week, so that's a good thing. That
1: should be a big deal.
0: (laughs) All right. So uh, let's jump into uh, our first segment, batting practice. A couple of of, uh, quick stories that I've dug up for this week. First of all, uh, uh, seven of the 10 National League MVPs from the 90s were named either Barry, Larry, or Terry. (laughs)
1: Can you name them? Oh, my gosh. Uh, well, I think Bonds. Okay, so Bonds
0: and accounts for three of them.
1: Yeah, okay. And uh, Walker?
0: Uh, Larry Walker in 1997,
1: oh. yes. Terry. You know, you got to
0: on this one. Terry Pendleton.
1: Terry Pendleton. I, I think of him as, yeah. So there's five. Obviously, uh, great third baseman for the... Uh, the Atlanta Braves. We got two more.
0: So you've got, I'll give you a hint here. You've got one Barry and one Larry left.
1: <laughs> this sounds like a three stooges. <laughs> one Barry and one Larry. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, Mo. Um,
0: All right. So Barry Larkin from the Reds was the MVP of 1995. Uh, and Larry Wayne too. Chipper Jones of 1999. That was uh, a trick. Got
1: one. me on that one. <laughs> it was. If you'd have said there's a player named Chipper, I might have. Yeah. Got if it. I
0: would have said Barry, Larry, Terrier, Chipper, <laughs> kind of yeah. gives it away though.
1: <laughs> that one I'd have. Yeah. Got.
0: So uh, another another uh, friend of the podcast here, Bob Feller. We come up with a lot of trivia about the heater from Van Meter. We also talked a couple of weeks ago about people that had never spent a day in the minor leagues. Uh, Bob Feller falls into that into that category but he does it in a in a different way so bob feller joined the indians after finishing his junior year of high school and he went straight to the major leagues he set strikeout records uh, he dominated good teams and then he went back to high school for his senior year can you believe that? Like, he's a junior. He finishes up. <laughs> His summer job was, oh, well, you know, just going and kicking butt in the major leagues. And then he comes back in, like, when does school start, like, September? And he's, like, back in, ge- you know, geography class or ge- do they have geology? <laughs> yeah, <he's totally laughs> in not high school. school. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool, though. He, he was just in high school and he went out and he was Bob Feller.
1: Do you think they had uh, one of those, uh, hey, what did everybody do this summer? Here, you got five minutes. Well, you know, I struck out a few guys, won a few games. Uh, uh,
0: Another Bob Feller note. Uh, So Bob Feller's mom only came and watched him play professionally one time in his whole career.
1: 18 years
0: he was in the big leagues. She only watched him one time. That one game she came to see him, she was hit in the head by a foul ball from a pitch he (laughs) threw.
1: Man, well, <laughs> bummer. You think she came to the game of like a bobblehead giveaway or something?
0: I don't. Well, this is my theory. It was actually one of his first games ever, and she uh-huh. got hit and didn't want to go back. That yeah. That's not true. That. That's, just, I'm just making that up, but
1: that's how we start rumors, man.
0: Yeah, well, it's canon now. We said it, so it's canon.
1: We said it. It's it's going to be on Wikipedia. <laughs> uh,
0: another, I found this was an interesting tidbit. This is from our friend Trevor at the Hanshin Tigers English News, who we had on our show uh, a couple of months ago. Uh, this happened in Japan in a high school regional tournament. I, I think they're getting ready for the big, uh, you know, the big. Oh, yeah tournament the high school tournament we talked about a pitcher recorded three outs in one inning on only two pitches
1: okay wow explain that one
0: uh i'm not i I, the teams aren't important because i'm not going to butcher their names but the first batter steps up to the plate and the first pitch is thrown and he reaches on catcher's interference So like the bat hit, you know, the catcher's glove hit the bat, I'm assuming. So the batter is awarded first base, and that's not counted as a pitch. So now there's a runner on first base, and technically he hasn't thrown a pitch that inning. Um, The second pitch is a line out to the first baseman who then steps on the bag before the runner got back for a double play. And then the next pitch is a pop out to the shortstop. So... Technically, three outs on only two pitches in the entire inning. I thought that was kind of yeah, cool. Yeah,
1: that's that's impressive. That that couldn't happen um, on a daily basis is what you're saying.
0: No, probably not. I was thinking about it, though, in the majors, you could get three outs on one pitch if you intentionally walked the first two batters and then the third batter on the first pitch grounded into a triple play.
1: That's That's absolutely true now that we don't have to throw pitches to walk somebody.
0: Yeah i doubt that'll ever happen though because you don't walk people to start off innings
1: well you don't yeah you don't walk off you walk people to start off innings and you generally don't walk two in a row
0: no well, unless there's a runner on third ninth right. inning and, and one outs. yeah yeah i mean it's it, i've seen it happen it could be done but you're not gonna you're not gonna get it on one pitch you're not gonna get all three outs
1: Unless someone wants to do it out of principle.
0: Um, all right. So let's, uh, w- I forgot the segment last week. It's one of our new segments, the debut segment. And I was mm. I was excited to talk to Ben from uh, Diamonds and Roses last week, and we forgot about this. So I've got only really one major debut that happened. This show will be uh, debuting uh, for your listening pleasure on July 2nd. So the only real player of note that I, I thought warranted talking about was 1954, Don Zimmer made his debut oh, on this day. Oh, nice. Zim. So oh, he made his debut with the Brooklyn Dodgers, July 7th, 1953. Um, this, you know, Zimmer was a lifer, and I'll, I'll tell you just how long he was in professional baseball, but during his career... Zimmer was struck in the head by a pitch thrown by Jim Kirk and lost consciousness. He suffered blood clots in his brain that required two separate operations. He did not wake up for two weeks after being hit in the head with that pitch. And when he did wake up, he thought it was the day after the game. Uh, might- this eventually led to Major League Baseball, though, adopting the uh, the rule that batters must wear batting helmets. Um, that huh. that's due to Don Zimmer, uh, later in his career, of course, everybody remembers him, you know, he was a manager on many teams, but, you know, unfortunately for a lot of younger fans, they probably remember him as being thrown to the ground by Pedro Martinez in a Yankees Red Sox brawl.
1: I remember that. Yes.
0: Not, not Pedro Martinez finest moment there, uh, throwing like a 70 year old to the ground.
1: <laughs> I agree, except for if some madman—and and now I'm not saying he was a madman—I'm saying he looks like one with the wild eyes and oh Popeye at you. Popeye you was his do? nickname. Yeah, what are you gonna do? I mean, you get out of his way, or you throw a punch and take him so down. He, he took him down. <laughs> at least he didn't sock him in the face
0: or step on him
1: afterwards. Yeah, or, yeah, kick him when he was down. It's just one of those things, and I know Zimmer was embarrassed about it later, and and. You know, he just, he had, the emotions had gotten to him. It was out of character for him.
0: So Zim, he spent 65 years in professional baseball. We should all be so lucky. I remember he said he never worked, you know, another job a day in his life. He was just in professional baseball, drafted, and was in baseball until he retired, you know, how, 65 years later. <laughs> Incredible. Uh, his number yeah. has been retired by the the Tampa Rays. One of like four numbers the Rays have retired. How? Well,
1: with, with their storied history. Yes. I mean, I, <laughs> catching up to the Yankees for retired numbers.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's their whole goal is to keep up with the Yankees. Uh, Zim died at the age of eighty-three on June fourth, twenty fourteen. But Don Zimmer was uh, Popeye. Good, good an guy. Icon. Definitely an icon.
1: You know what I loved about Zimmer is, is he looked like a Brooklyn Dodger in 1955 and the rest of his career, he still looked like a 1955
0: Brooklyn Dodger. <laughs> I, I did find while, while doing some research on him, he does a great, a, uh, great commercial for Gillette razors in really? like 19, I want to say like 54. It was like right after he, he debuted, but he had a national commercial. Where he's in black and white shaving with his Gillette razor with a couple of other uh, Brooklyn Dodgers. I think Pee Wee Reese nice. was in it too.
1: What year was that? I th- I want
0: to say it's 1955. If you if look up okay. YouTube, I'll I'll throw a link in the uh, in the show notes. But just look it up in YouTube, Don Zimmer, okay. Gillette, and it'll okay. you'll see it.
1: That's good stuff.
0: All right, so we have a special guest with us here today, Mark, and this is one of our rare podcast since we are a baseball history podcast where we are actually going to uh, be talking about something timely wow. and uh, joining us from the absolute bunts podcast is john and john thank you very much for for joining us
2: well thanks very much for having me i'm looking forward to chatting to you guys
0: yeah so you had a busy uh busy weekend something that uh, i'm sure you have busy weekends but you you were busy doing something that you don't normally get to do in in England, and that is attend an actual Major League Baseball game. Just, can you give us an overall feel of of how it was to see Major League Baseball in England?
2: Yeah, it was it was my first baseball game as well, so it was um, it wasn't just the first European um, fixture for MLB. It was also my first uh, baseball experience, and yeah, it was, it was great fun. So I've I spent a lot of my time um, watching baseball from behind the pitcher's arm. I use mlb.tv um, which is a fantastic resource uh, but it means that you see the game from the same perspective all the time um, so always from behind the pitcher's arm you always get a good idea of of what the pitcher is trying to do you get a good uh, idea of how plate appearances are constructed you get a good idea of how it is that a that a hitter tries to uh, work his way around um, a pitcher and that means that um, when I went to, to the games on, uh, this weekend in London, it, it meant that I had a, an entirely different perspective on on baseball, which is something I hadn't really been expecting, I suppose, because uh, I just assumed that when you're at the stadium, you, you watch the game in the same way. You sort of have a good idea of what the, the, the hitter is trying to do, a good idea of what the pitcher is trying to do. And it's actually entirely different. I had a much better sense of, I think, what the what the fielding side were trying to do, and and looking at the runners go, go around the bases. But I was sat just on the third base line, um, and so I was side on to the pitcher and the hitter, and um, it gave me a sense of, of quite how fast they throw the ball, and it gave me a sense of of. Of quite how long the lengths are on the field and how far they hit home runs but it wasn't quite the same experience as watching from behind the the pitcher's arm um, and so yeah it was it for me it was a it was a fantastic experience just to to have that aspect of to realize that actually you know as British fans we do have a very one-dimensional understanding of how the game works and um, actually just being around the ballpark and mingling a couple of hours before the game meeting a lot of uh, friends and and fans of the podcast it was great to to get that side of things too but it really opened my eyes up to the way that I guess the baseball experience that a lot of people talk about in the US, the, uh, the word nostalgia, which makes me feel maybe a little bit ill, but um, it was nice to have a little bit of experience of, of that side of things too. And um, I watched a lot of cricket in the UK um, and it was similar. It was similar to cricket. The, the, the idea that you can go down and watch watch games with your friends and, uh, and enjoy the experience of being there and having the the baseball as a, centerpiece that can sort of organize your your uh, enjoyment of friends and food and sunshine and stuff that was that was really good so yeah it's been a fantastic weekend for that
0: so what was that you mentioned you know obviously this being your first baseball game in person what was the thing that you didn't expect you know you you see it on tv but as you said there's so many different things going on when you can see the whole field and, and the fans yourself what was that one thing that y- you would have never guessed happened just by watching baseball on TV
2: yeah that's an interesting question i think my the, the the weirdest experience i think was was just having to keep up with the game as it went on because you're so used to having the box score in the corner when you watch it on TV and 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 everything lined out for you and it was they did they did have decent scoreboards in the stadium but um they, the one that I could see was actually quite a long way away and it was quite hard to see in the sunshine a bit so it was it was interesting for me trying to keep an, an idea of what was going on in the game just in my head rather than relying on on a, a little score box in the top corner um, and that that experience was quite fun that you, you know because I'm so used to watching it where everything happens from behind the pitcher's arm and in between innings it goes to adverts or MLB highlights or even just to a blank screen it the idea of the, the game being holistic was was really interesting the fact that you know you can see things happening um on the field you can see the the fielding team coming on and warming up in the break between the innings um and you can see the a rhythm to it that you don't get when you watch it on tv and it's almost like when you're watching it on tv it's almost like a computer game and you're sort of like well we've done this level we've done seventh inning so now we're moving on to eighth inning but you get i, I got a, a lot more of a sense of of that of that holistic experience where you you feel as though you're part of something happening a game unfolding and it moves from from inning to inning and, and and that was quite a nice experience to have actually rather than just feeling as though there's just sort of nine arbitrary periods of time
1: yeah, hey John, uh, this is Mark. Hey, I gotta, I, I have to ask you how, and and I'm, I'm sure our, our listeners are wondering this too. How did you first get into baseball? It, it's so interesting to me that uh, a bloke like yourself would would end up liking such a an odd sport uh, from from across the the <laughs> pond there.
2: Yeah, it's a good question. Um, so I I actually wrote a piece on bat flips and Naz. Uh, a couple of months ago talking about my experience of of getting into baseball so um, the full version is there but the long and short of it is that I was um, I was teaching at a university in Scotland and to save some money ended up subletting a room from a friend um, who was a was a big baseball fan Um, and so it was it was part and parcel of that, that I ended up watching baseball through him. He dated someone from Chicago for a while. So he was a Cubs fan. And as a result of that, I spent uh, a whole year with him pretty much watching most of the baseball when it was on at a reasonable time in the UK. So that's how I fell into it. I guess I've always, I've always been a big sports fan, um, I, I can watch anything that is competitive, really, and, and get into it. Um, so it wasn't particularly hard to get to get into the baseball um, that way. And uh, I guess once once I left it, it wasn't it wasn't there really. Um, I wasn't watching the baseball regularly at that point. Um, but then when the, the Cubs World Series finally happened, I ended up getting back into it then. And then I bumped into Henry and we, he, was, uh, he was at that point a Cubs fan, um, but has since switched allegiances to Tampa Bay Rays, as you all know. Um, <laughs> and we, we just sort of got together and, and I said, you know, I'd love, I, I'm a sports journalist in my day job and I, I spend a lot of time doing podcasts. Um, and those podcasts that I do, I tend to have to know what I'm talking about. Uh, And I'd said to Henry, it'd be great to just do a podcast about a a subject that I just know nothing about. Um, and, and you don't feel as though you've got to have an answer for everything it'd be it'd be nice to just to just go in and be an ingenue and and from there we just we sort of decided well let's just make a podcast where it's two men talking about baseball you don't really know anything about it and see see how it goes so um since doing that I've got quite into the baseball now so I, I, I try and watch it as regularly as I can so uh John the percent of people that were there this weekend what uh, what
0: in your best estimate what what was the percent of people there that actually knew what was going on and were actual baseball fans and and what percent was just there to kind of see the spectacle and and see you know what is baseball all
2: about yeah that's a good question I think I mean anecdotally uh, it's hard to know but um the sense that I got in the stadium was that there was a lot of American fans there and uh, watching the game you can tell when fans are knowledgeable by whether they cheer in the right places or whether they get excited about the right things, um, and it felt as though the in general the crowd were clapping at the parts of the of the game where, where you needed to clap or like a, a, a little bit. Um, uh, ha- there was heightened awareness when certain things were going on, um, so I would su- I would suspect there was probably I mean the, the estimates that I saw people. Um, throwing out uh, amongst the the British baseball community was maybe 60-40 Europeans to uh, Americans. Um, There was a lot of people there, obviously, who were Europeans who had a good grasp of the game, I think. But there were people sat behind me who didn't really know what was going on. Um, And I, I did see a few people... Very confused about the concept of like foul territory and things like that, <laughs> which is a fairly good indication that you don't really know what's going on so i I suspect probably i don't know of that of that sixty percent that were british i sus i would suspect that maybe forty percent of them fifty percent of them probably would have been um would have been fans already. So you're looking at maybe, what's that, about 30% of the people in the stadium maybe um, were not uh, fans, fans of the game before uh, showing up so but I, I again I, that's entirely anecdotal um, and that it was it was very expensive um, to get tickets and I think a lot of people were in the British community British baseball community annoyed because you know if you're wanting to pe- people to get into something they don't know about if you make it expensive that's the number one way to make them feel a little bit less certain about signing up so um, but yeah, hopefully it will have had had a good good impact, and there will be there will be people out there who um, had have watched the games. Fortunately, the games were televised on the BBC. Um, unfortunately there were other things going on at the same time and uh, there was a cricket match on a, on the Sunday that England were playing in the cricket so that clashed a little bit as well that was a World Cup game so a lot of people would have been watching that um, but hopefully there will have been some people who, who managed to flick through and see it on the on the terrestrial television that was free to air so you never know there might be people who, who picked up on that.
1: Out of, uh, out of curiosity can I ask uh, like a general range of tickets uh, what they were selling for? Yeah, so there was cheap tickets
2: that I think would have been around sixty dollars. They were like, they were the cheapest tickets, and then it ramped all the way up to like three hundred and twenty pounds. Um, and I think the part of the problem was. There wasn't really any correlation between how much you were paying for your ticket and how good the view was um, because the London Stadium, I don't know if you know the London Stadium that well, the London Stadium is an athletic stadium. It was designed for the uh, Olympic Games in 2012. uh, And so it's designed to have a, a big running track in. So it's oval shaped. So when it comes to baseball, obviously you've got um the, the seats behind the uh, home plate, which were which will obviously be the expensive seats, but then as you move away from that, um, I don't think that makes a huge difference really whether whether or not you're not um, I don't know, down the first baseline or the third baseline or in, your, in the bleachers, at some point it becomes much of a muchness in terms of what you can actually see. Um, and it felt as though there were seats that were being offered for very high prices that were not any better than much cheaper tickets as well. So I think there's a sense of maybe unfairness hmm. there um, that, that might have put people off. But I was I was lucky enough to be given a ticket that was... Um, that was retailing about 120 pounds and I was, uh, yeah, like I said, I was sort of midway down the third baseline and I was probably Mm -hmm. about 40 rows back. Um, and that was 120 pounds, which I think if anyone was paying that in, in, well, if anyone was paying that in the, in the football stadium to watch the football, there would have been outrage. So, um, yeah, I think there's there's thoughts to be had on, on how the ticketing works.
0: So I saw that there were a lot of food options there. A lot of them even brought over from specific stadiums as some, some stadiums have kind of signature food items. Did you, uh, did you get a partake in anything like the boomstick or, or any of those specialty, specialty food offerings?
2: I, I did not actually, um... I am someone who has a very delicate constitution when it comes to eating. So I'm always very careful about what I eat. And the so a idea foot that...
0: long corn dog
2: with chili and, and <laughs> peppers didn't two foot. Yeah. Two foot long. Yeah. That that didn't two really foot. do it oh for me. God. So, um, but I saw a lot of people eating them and I think that that side of things went down fairly well. Um, I, I, I don't know. There's, it was funny. It was funny seeing all of the food options cause there was, they'd obviously franchised a lot of these, um, the stalls out and there was a huge amount of, um, option for for the various people at the stadium Uh, but there was there was some funny things I saw a I saw a street food stall and I thought oh that's interesting street food so I was expecting something like noodles or or something like that but they were just selling nachos so (laughs) uh, I didn't I didn't really (laughs) consider nachos to be a to be a a street food but there we go but yeah it was there was a lot of these sorts of events are always going to be they're going to ramp up the prices and I think the the two foot boom dog or whatever it was called was was 24 pounds which is expensive um so but there were there were other options available um there was there was plenty of hot dogs and um and burgers of, uh, around as well and there was uh, fried chicken uh, outlets there was burger bars there was everything that you could think of was there um but i did yeah unfortunately i didn't um i didn't make too much of a of an inroad there myself
0: I think that's fortunate. I, I've seen people try to eat that the boomstick.
2: <laughs> it's not for me. I'm 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 able to admit defeat when I when I see it. <laughs>
0: so did you meet? Did you get to see? Uh, I saw a lot of former players, and and I, I know I Mark and I have discussed when I went to Japan for the the beginning of this. Uh, mm. the, uh, season this year i just ran into a lot of players on the street did you
2: did you have any experience where you met any current or former players so you are forgetting the fact that, that henry and i just don't really know <laughs> much okay. outside of our respective clubs so uh, we didn't see anyone that that i would have recognized i mean i i mean i saw a rod in the distance. Um, But that, that was it. Um, And that's the sort of level of of baseball play that we're talking about when it comes to me and Henry recognizing anyone. But um, on, on, on the Thursday, we went to a media day, um as part it was in the the London Yards which is a brewery area that they'd converted into a fan park basically Uh, and they let the media in the day before it properly opened and there was an event on there and you could do various things they had VR batting cages they had actual batting cages and um you could throw pictures at a washing machine if you wanted they were making uh, baseball cards and there was (laughs) a big screen so you could watch the game during the game uh, and I was in the batting cage and there was um, a huge guy stood behind it watching me. And I was, I, I connected well. I was, I was, I'm a good contact player. It's just, I'm, I'm just uh, i am not very good at producing anything other than ground out. So uh, I had a particularly unimpressive um, plate appearance. And then when I left the batting cage, he was like, good job, man. And uh, <laughs> I had no idea who it was, but apparently his name was Floyd something. And he was, uh, I, I don't know, uh, some, some, famous ex player one of the the bat flips and nice guys floyd? yeah cliff maybe him floyd. yeah that's right
1: cliff floyd that's the one that comes so to he mind. told
2: me that he told me that I had a good I had a good play appearance in the batting cage so there you go i think cliff floyd played for the cubs at one point oh well much much earlier than i was watching them surely yes i'm going i'm going <laughs> to google it's him now so <laughs> <laughs> I gotta assume you're going to be there next
0: year when it's the Cubs and
1: the Cardinals. Yeah, I'm really
2: looking forward to that. Actually, um, the, the the big downer for me about the about the uh, the weekend was that it just dra- it did drag on a little bit. And um, I chatted to a few friends who spoke to me and said that's just what happens in in uh, Yankees Red Sox games. Um, and I just thought, you know, oh, four yeah. four hours forty. 40- two I think was the first game and even the game the day after dragged on a long way as well um and I was I by the time it got to the seventh inning stretch I was I was starting to get ready to I'd I'd felt as though I'd seen a game I felt as though I'd got my money's worth as it were um so um it'll be be nice seeing the Cubs Cardinals and hopefully it will be a little bit uh, of a quicker turnover and yeah it'd be great just obviously I I um I I recognize the 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 Cub players and I, and I recognize a lot of the Cardinals players as well. So it will be it will be nice for me to feel like less of a, um, a a newbie going going into it. But I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, and the other thing the other thing is is that if I'm well, I'll, I'll be living on the boat next year, and I can park the boat right outside the stadium, pretty much um, a <laughs> stone's throw away. So I'll be able to just chill out on the boat and then go to the, the game. And and so I'm I'm really looking forward to doing that. Actually, party yacht. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't put it like that but yeah
1: john the, the pace of the game did you find it to be a little slow is that what you're kind of saying
2: i don't know if it, yeah maybe it was but uh, i don't know whether or not it was the pace of the game like i said I've, i watch a lot of baseball and it's not it's not that i mind the the, the game being slow i guess it, it being the fact that it was the first game that i'd gone to as an event and so you're there just for that event because obviously when i watch when i watch the games usually it's on tv i'll have it on at the side if i'm working um sometimes I'll, I'll watch it with my with my brother-in-law and and we'll we'll watch through it but it, it never feels long when we do it that way whereas uh, maybe it's because i was in the stadium on my own and so it was like a long time to concentrate just on the game itself i wasn't sure. having a conversation with other people as well but i i i, I sort of feel as though like a, an event an event that goes on longer than three hours, in a competitive sense, it starts losing its competitive edge a little bit. Um, and I think in both games as well, you know the fact that the fact that the the, the Red Sox, um, the, the Yankees were were so far ahead in in Game One, and I know the Red Sox rallied, but it felt very much like a, a foregone conclusion after after like the mid midpoint of the first game. And given that that was like pushing five hours, that game, it just seems a long time to have to try and invest in something whilst knowing roughly what's going to happen. So oh, that makes sense. And this, the same was true a little bit in the, in the second game as well. Cause I think it was a, was it the, must've been the top of the seventh when, when the, the Yankees got um, about nine runs, I think, in that inning, and that pretty much killed off the game as well. So it's it's a lot of time to invest in for something that can just be over within an inning like that. So um, I guess I, I guess I sort of feel as though the, 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 the Cubs-Cardinals might be a, a bit more of, a, of an equal um, showing, and it also might be just not much further over that three-hour mark rather than pushing five.
0: Yeah, Yankees-Red Sox games are just they're notorious for being Mm. drawn out self-important kind of things. And then when you score that many runs, I admit I tuned out of the first one about midway through and I didn't even bother with the second one because I just, I don't like either of the teams and I know how long they are, but
2: yeah, I felt similar to be honest. I, I, I have this British aversion uh, to, to the favorites. So the Yankees just for me are very much like a, a sort of man united uh cypher when it comes to when it comes to baseball i'm I, i'm just sort of like well they're the big guys and stuff and they're in control of everything and then obviously the red Sox have won the world series and so it, 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 the last time around so they're the, the holders of the world series so i was i would i, I really like the idea of cheering for an underdog and i suppose the, the red Sox were the underdog but um yeah i think i feel i felt i feel the same way about about that um, so it was, I didn't feel as invested in the game and I, I suspect that that probably played into the experience as well.
1: That makes sense. I, you know, hating the Yankees is kind of a national pastime here.
2: <laughs> I can get on board with that. Good, good.
1: Welcome to the club, my friend.
2: <laughs> I really do hate the Yankees and Henry hates the Yankees as well. Cause he's a Rays fan. He's a so, Rays fan. Yeah. So they're in his division and he's like, Hey, I don't think he'd really watched much of them, but he just, he, he really I think they must have just annihilated the, the the Rays a few times, and he just got so angry at them, and he was like, "I never really understood Yankee hatred until they played the the Rays." But, but I mean, for Henry and I, the the Yankee players are just sort of processed meat men, aren't they? They're sort of like they all look very similar. They're all, I mean, Brett Gardner just doesn't have a neck; He's, he looks like a, a Doctor Who alien, and you know, they, they sort of represent the evil of capital.
0: He looks like the great
2: kazoo from the Flintstones with that big ball <laughs> head. Have you ever, have you ever watched Dr. Who? Yes. Oh yeah. So there's, there's an, al- there's an alien in in it called the Santaran, Um, and the guy just looks like a huge potato. Um, but if you, if you Google the Sontaran, <laughs> it just looks just, just like Brett Gardner. So <laughs> all right, I'm, I'm Googling. Oh yeah, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> what do you reckon?
0: A tan Brett Gardner, yeah, <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: Brett Gardner after the London series when he was stood out in <laughs> oppressive heat.
2: Yeah,
0: so there's quite a UK baseball network of fans and and podcasts. <laughs> yeah. I've I've definitely found, um, you know, besides besides yourself, Absolute Bunts, Bat Flips, and Nerds. You mentioned that's huge, yeah. uh, and 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 blowing up. And Joey Mellows right now is really getting a lot of this whole season. Yeah, uh, has been getting a lot of publicity i've actually been to two games that he's been at and oh, really? and mark has been to one and we were un- unbeknownst to us that he was there on yes. all three of them mm. um but you and henry were actually uh, uh mentioned in an article on mlb.com last week which is really cool
2: <laughs> yeah yeah we were uh, both cheesing was i think is the word that, that i don't know if you have that word in the u.s I don't know if we even have it over here in the UK. It's a word that I use a lot. We were cheesing. We were we were grinning all day because it was um yeah, it was great to 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 have that sort of exposure. Um, I got to chat to Anthony Castrovince, who's a, an MLB journalist. Um, and it was great actually. I got to. It's a shame because you know you you end up doing. I spoke to him for half an hour and we had a really good chat about British baseball fandom. And I think you know obviously this the um the space just meant that he could only put a couple of lines in for me. And it was just something like oh. British baseball fans are a bit nerdy or something, which felt like some of the, uh, <laughs> some of the least uh, um, the profound things that I'd said, but there you go. That's, you've got to have your angle as a journalist. Uh, I know that. And so I appreciate it.
0: Well, I admit I felt a little, a little tinge of jealousy seeing all of the get togethers from all of the different, cause I follow a lot of uh, different UK fan groups. And even though I, you know, I finally just last year, got season tickets to my favorite team i felt it i felt like i i I was missing out there just seeing everybody come together and it's a little bit different because everybody was happy to see each other here you know if (laughs) like mark kind of referenced if if we see a group of yankee fans we don't really want to go over and talk with them but (laughs) there it just seemed like it was a great kind of camaraderie of, of of everybody getting to come together for these games and really kind of enjoy baseball just in its kind of purest form. And I thought that was really cool.
2: Yeah. I mean, we don't really have the option of being able to be picky as British baseball fans. So yeah, even the Yankees fans we have to put up with because we are very (laughs) much in the minority, but it's yeah, the British, uh, the, the MLB UK community is great. Um, they order, organize regular events that all over the country. Actually, there's there was I think four or five events over the weekend in places like Glasgow, um, Sheffield, Leeds. Um, there's one in the Midlands. Um, there's one maybe in Worcester or somewhere odd like that. And then there was there was one in in London as well. So they they hired out basically the bottom floor of a, an American bar in London Bridge area, and everyone goes along to that. So that's how I I actually. Um, came across a lot of the the people who i know in the british baseball community through just going to this belushi's um sports bar in, in london bridge and they put on loads of they'll have a, an event on a saturday maybe and they'll put on all of the day games that are on around the various screens and people will meet up and catch up and and it's it's funny you know it feels it feels very much like they're an underground community you know So no n- baseball has a really bad rap i think in the in, in the The UK in particular, and uh, and a lot of people. I I mean, I even shared on my um, on my personal Twitter account the fact that the games were being shown on the BBC, and um, a load of people said, "Well, I'll make sure I avoid the BBC then." Um, So it's not just that people don't like uh, baseball; they don't. They actively don't like baseball. so I think it, it was it was a really odd experience this weekend going from being a sort of minority where we sort of hiding away in sports bars around London to having the the London Stadium all to ourselves. And just the experience for me of on the Sunday of just walking around the stadium outside the the stadium and just bumping into people who I knew and then having people coming up and introducing themselves to us and having people want to take photos with me was just a really nice experience that. You know, so something which sort of happens behind the scenes and in podcasts and in chat rooms and then and on Twitter and social media is actually able to air itself out in public.
0: So, I uh, one one kind of final question here. You mentioned on your show several times that you kind of got into baseball because of a well, one your friend, but you, you there used to be a baseball kind of weekly highlight show on Channel Five. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What what I I'm I don't know what this show is what what exactly was it?
2: Yeah, it was it was there was so there was a baseball program that ran twice weekly. So it ran on Wednesday nights and Saturday nights, I think, on Channel Five, which is again, it's like the the BBC is Channel One and Two, and then it goes all the way up to Five, and Five is imaginatively titled Channel Five. Um, so it's a it's a terrestrial yeah. channel that's available to everyone. Um, but yeah, twice a week they would play it a full game um so they would they would have like the full three hours of a game on um and i think it was on very late at night i'm not entirely sure what time but it was like maybe even past midnight or maybe 11 onwards Uh, and i know a lot of people would a lot of people would have Fathers or relatives who would um, would tape those games and they would just slowly watch them through the week. I know that Russell Eason, um, who who is a big figure in in British baseball scene, um, his his dad used to do that. His, his dad used to tape the games and they would slowly watch them through the week. Um, my experience was always, <laughs> I guess, more sort of um when you're at sleepovers and with friends and you would like watch a film or something and then afterwards it was just so late at night and what the 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 fact that there's sports on terrestrial tv is pretty odd for a for a british um for someone growing up in britain so we would stick on the baseball and try and work out the rules just by watching the game and uh, i remember being entirely confused by it but um I I guess um the, the the baseball on 5 just never really you know it never really I was never really in the right frame of mind to get into baseball from watching that so I never actually um I never really got into baseball as a result of that and it was it was only because my friend had a subscription to mlb.tv um that I that I got into it so but yeah the the, the baseball on 5 is, was a huge reason for for a lot of british baseball fans um getting into the sport in the first place for sure.
1: Or at least some sort of an introduction. Uh, Hmm. Yeah. Something to plant it in the back of their mind. I think that's cool. Hmm. So
0: you and uh, Henry, while being keen minds focused on learning the great game of baseball (laughs) are also arguably among the top in the world at making baseball parody songs. (laughs) Uh, Your, uh, your parody of go West by the village people, uh, (laughs) which if with your permission I, I'd like to put a, a little clip of it in here. Oh yeah, go for it. Uh which you changed to Joe West <laughs> and uh it w- went down a list of, of major league umpires uh that that fit perfectly.
2: Fine, I guess, He'll do what he should Jordan Baker. but they aren't as good as Joe West Joe on the ground. Joe West he will call no Joe West. he doesn't give a shit.
0: now do you beyond the name Joe West you know just seeing him in games do you, do you know anything about Joe West himself
2: I know quite a lot about you. I know quite a lot about joe west actually um for someone who doesn't know very much about baseball but mainly because i did that song i should say the the song was by pet shop boys not village people but um oh i, I it's fine it's nice to it's, well, it's nice you, to know something I, that, I, that I, you guys don't know <laughs>
0: How how in the world would I think the village people
2: say? Yeah, that? Yeah. yeah, I get it. It's uh, we all we all make mistakes, and Henry make and I make more than <laughs> more than anyone else. So maybe you can have a correction section in your next podcast. Right? Um, <laughs> Kangaroo court. I'm going to owe a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know that I know that Joe West is a big country music fan. I've um I've watched some of his performances actually on YouTube, and. Um, they were, I have as they well. They enjoyable. are, they are interesting. Uh, I know that he's very unpopular <laughs> in, in many respects. I've seen him, I've seen him, um, get involved in various fracas on the field. Um, I know that he was involved in that, um, crowd interference call between the Red Sox and another team who I have no idea who it is off the top of my head, but, um, was that in the post-season last season? Was it in the post-season or was it maybe towards the end of the season? Um, where was it, Mookie Betts? Someone knocked the ball and stopped him from, someone stopped someone else from getting a home run. It was deemed to be crowd interference. And then, um, hmm. what else do I know? He pushed someone over. I can't remember who it was. Um,
0: yeah, it was uh, Joe. Not Joe Tory. It was it was some manager after a game, wasn't it?
2: I I have no idea who it is. I've I've also I've, I've got a feeling that he might have been involved with um, um, what's his name? Bom, Bom Garner, is that his name? He a Madison Bumgarner. Or yeah, did he maybe they maybe had to go at each other or something? They stare. They had a stare out, maybe, where. Oh, or maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was Mad
0: there. Bum stares at everybody.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, that's that. So I don't know. Do I, have I passed the test of knowing things about Joe West?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's the, the country music was was the main thing. He's he's also famous for uh, the 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 protective vest that most umpires wear behind home mm-hmm. plate. He he patented that. It's called the West oh, Vest. Really? And he was uh, also the umpire in the the Naked Gun, oh, wow. where uh, where Reggie Jackson tried to assassinate the That's, Queen.
2: That is a good fact. Um, I'm impressed with the 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 body armor one as well because maybe it's something that runs in the West family because you, you guys call Mae Wests. Isn't that like a life jacket or something? So maybe there's a there's a long... Uh, I,
0: I have heard that term, but that is that is definitely a, a
1: British term for, okay. a, for a life jacket, a May well, West. There
2: you go. Maybe the West is just really, really good at protective clothing. <laughs> that's, that's probably
1: it. Those people with the last name West, <laughs> they, they're amazing at, at protective clothing.
0: <laughs> so when we have guests on, we we usually uh, play a game with them where we, we open an old pack of baseball Ooh, okay. cards and kind of reminisce about <laughs> the players in them and then we total up the we total up the yeah. amount that they're worth which is very little <laughs> but and then we keep a running leaderboard we, would you be interested in in talking about let's see i've got i've got an 89 tops pack and a 90 uh, don no an 89 donruss do you have any interest in opening one of these and seeing who might be
2: in yeah, here? let's do it. But you're going to have to allow me to Google a picture of this person and make entirely superficial judgments based on their picture. That's,
1: that's the best approach we could ever come up with. We are right counting here. on it.
2: That's <laughs> <laughs> all right. So first
0: of all, I've got, like I said, I've got two packs. I've got one in my left hand and mm-hmm. one in my right hand. Uh, choose If you go ahead and choose left or right, and, and that'll well, determine I'm, which one. I
2: politically tend towards the left. So let's go left. All right, that is the 1989 Tops, mm-hmm. which... I was four years old. I remember it well that season.
0: <laughs> which is good because there's a piece of gum in here, which if you don't know about uh, gum in Tops baseball cards... It's not used, no. Uh, it, uh, no, it's not used. <laughs> but it is brittle. It is covered in flour or something. We were we were trying to determine what it is. Uh, last week, I tapped it on my microphone and it... Uh, broke into about 20 pieces and left dust all over (laughs) all of my equipment. So not, not, not a whole bunch of fun.
2: All right. So let's wait for another West to come along and make a protective, uh, protective layer for your microphone. I think that is probably the next thing that they're
0: going to work on. (laughs) All right. So 89 tops, uh, the cards, if they are a common and a common means it's not, you know, it's, it's not a card that's, special in any way, they are only mm-hmm. worth uh, one cent. <laughs> so, yeah. so you're not going to get rich off of this pack. Uh, okay. Your first card is a is a San Diego Padres team leader card where it just kind of lists uh, a lot of players that led the the team and batting and pitching. You might know some of these okay. names though. Tony Gwynn and Roberto Alomar. Uh,
1: I've heard of Tony Gwynn.
2: Here. Yep. Hall of Famer. Uh, he's liberal. very famous. He's a very famous. San, San Diego. Player, yeah, I'm going to
1: do a little bit of extra uh, about him next week, just talking about some of the records and things he did. He was a, a one in a million kind of player. He really was. Yeah, he's
0: Mr. Padre. He, he played for the Padres his whole career. Hmm. I dated someone go. from
2: San Diego for, for two years. So I've heard about Tony Gwen through her. So there you go. <laughs> Wasn't a complete waste of a relationship. There you go. Awesome.
0: All right. That is only worth one cent, though. Uh, Next, you got Frank Viola with the Minnesota Twins. He was a a really good pitcher. He was on the 88 World Series team. Mm. And that that reminded me, you mentioned that you got a a hanky of some sort this weekend from the Twins. That is a Homer hanky. An
2: official Homer hanky, actually. I'm looking at it right now.
0: Nice. In in 1988, it was the first time that I remember baseball doing anything with those. But they would they would wave those around and get excited. And it was they played in a dome at
2: that point, and it got really really loud. But those are Homer Hankies. Those cool. are those are very well known. So I I think I might have heard of Frank Viola. I don't know why. Has he been in any form of popular culture again? He's not been in a movie or anything? Has he?
1: He's one of the few baseball players named after a stringed instrument.
2: Hmm. Or or a a suite. Do you have those candy? Uh, Palmer violets. I
1: think we've got cultural differences here.
2: <laughs> That's the good thing about talking to American people. We can just cite cultural differences when we fall out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, Frank Viola does not have an IMDb page, okay. so I don't think he's been in a movie. But he did also pitch for the Mets.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but he's yeah he's he's kind of a
2: well known a well known player. All baseball players in this era just look like my dad in this era. (laughs) Well, he had that mustache. That mustache
0: is something. Uh, Next is Oswald Peraza, who I have never heard of. You got me on that one. Oswald? Oswald Peraza. He was apparently a pitcher for the Orioles uh, at one point. Oh, wow. He's got a fine mustache as well. That is the epitome of a common card, right there. There you go. Uh, next is Mario Diaz of the Mariners, um, and in this hat, he is wearing. In this picture, he is wearing a hat that could be qualified as a stovetop <laughs> hat. It is very tall, but uh, that is a common card. Don Paul P A L L, a pitcher for the White Sox, another common card. This one uh, you may have heard of, Gary Carter. He was a catcher, uh, probably most famously for the 86 Mets when they beat the Red Sox in the World Series. Never heard of him. Um, He also played for the Expos, famously, and the Giants. uh, His nickname was The Kid. He also looks like my dad at the same period. He's got nice curly hair. That was always Hmm. uh, a trademark. Uh, Jeff Montgomery, a pitcher for the Royals. That is uh, a common... Uh, Mike Marshall for the Dodgers. He was uh, kind of a utility guy. There's a lot of cards in this in this in this set. So there there are 15, and I'm going to tell you right now Whoa. that you do not have a strong pack here. <laughs> um, probably your best card uh, besides the uh, Gary Carter. You've got Paul O'Neill with the Reds. So okay. he later went on to be uh, an outfielder for the Yankees and won. Well, he won a world series for in Cincinnati in 1990 against the A's. And then he went to the Yankees and won one or two there. He is now an announcer on TV for the Yankees as well.
2: And is it, Paul. Paul O'Neill isn't the player who kicked the ball. as is. That, that is him. I don't know if you guys know, but on MLB.tv, we don't get American adverts. What we get is highlights from um because we're obviously out of the catchment area we can't they can't show the adverts outside the u.s so we get highlights from the mlb and uh, i think maybe two or three years ago that was a highlight the, the paul o'neill kicking the ball back to the second base or third base or whatever it was second base yep and,
0: and i um, think i saw somebody tweet recently on baseball reference his baseball reference page they've got a you know bats and throws you know i think he batted left-handed. I think he threw left-handed, but they also put a kicks on there and put his I think it's right because I think he kicked it with his right foot.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Paul O'Neill uh yeah. in my personal history is known as the guy who has never agreed with a called strike in his entire career. He has to argue every single one of them.
0: <laughs> Let's see, we've got Billy Ripkin, Cal Ripken's well, brother.
2: Well I've heard of Ripken is- one of the Ripkins.
0: Yeah, so this is his brother, kind of lesser okay. known. He's on the uh, he's on MLB Network, if you get that. He's on there a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, he's probably most famous known for yes. a baseball card where uh, he was holding it and oh, on the yeah. knob of his bat. Yeah, I've seen that. There was an interesting choice of words. Which <laughs> <laughs> we can't say, presumably. <laughs> uh, the rest of these, let's see, we've got Todd Stottlemyre. Uh, who is a pitcher for the Blue Jays? Most famously, his father, uh, Mel Stottlemyre, was a very famous, uh, more famous for being a pitching coach for the Yankees uh, when they won a, a lot of World Series. And then the rest of these guys are just commons: Gerald Young, Vance Law, Dennis Rasmussen, and Nelson Santavainio. Mm. Wow, great back,
2: John. Mm. I, I regret to inform you this is not a good pack. You see, it's a good pack for me because I don't know any of these people, so, so I'd be I'd be excited just to hold them in my hand. So imagine if you'd got <laughs> someone who knew what they were talking about opening a packet and they were like, Oh, this is just a disappointing pack. But my eyes would be would be glowing and shining and everything would be happy. So
0: Well, there are sixteen cards here. They are unfortunately all commons, so that gives you a total of uh sixteen wow. cents which uh, you are not our, our lowest-placed um, guest, though. Uh, Kevin Kalau, who was a former assistant general manager with, uh, with the, the Tacoma Rainiers, which is a minor league team, he only came up with 14 wow. cents. So you are you are solidly entrenched in not so just last above, place. Just above the
1: Mendoza <laughs> line, as <laughs> it were. That's right. There you go. I like that. Uh, yeah. <laughs>
0: Interesting fact, this is because this is what we do. Mario Mendoza's career batting average is actually, I think, 214. Yeah, it's not bad, is it? It's it's not great, but it's not 200, which is strange why he gets labeled with that. (laughs) uh, uh, Also included in this uh, pack, though, is a chance to win a trip to the 1990 spring training. So um, if you want me to enter you in that. (laughs) All right, well. Thank you once again, uh, for joining us, John, it was, it was great to talk with you. Do you want to tell people how they can, uh, follow you
2: on social media where your, your podcast is? Yeah, you should, you should follow the absolute bunts page. I don't actually know what the app is. I think it's just absolute bunts because there can't be anyone else who has that. Yeah, it is absolute bunts. Um, that's the best place to get, to get the baseball stuff. Um, our podcast is available through, I think most of the, of the main outlets, for um for, for podcast listening sites we're on i think oh we not be on stitcher actually i think someone asked us to be on stitcher so maybe i'll sort that out tonight but we are available on spotify and we have an rss feed through itunes so you can find us on there if you if you do like us do leave us a really nice uh, podcast review because you'll get it read out probably um on on the on the on the podcast but yeah and then i, I guess the other if you're interested in the uk scene then the um MLB UK community is, is is a good place to follow. There's loads of... Every team has a... Every franchise has a UK account over here in the UK. Um, uh, most of them are, I don't know, ex-fans UK. So you should be able to find them quite easily. And then obviously, Batflips and Nerds is the is the granddaddy of British baseball um, culture. So they're the place to go if you actually know what you're talking about and you're interested in seeing what's going on uh, over at this side and yeah. Do, do head over and see if you like our stuff, um, and w- no apologies, uh, but if you don't like it, then, you know, not everything's for everyone, is it?
0: <laughs> no, trust me, we've, we've learned that. <laughs> <laughs> Social media has, yeah. has more, than, more than taught us that. <laughs>
2: We, we're, actually quite, we're actually quite worried that, you know, we are quite irreverent about baseball. Um, so, for example, you know, the big joke being that, that Bob Gibson just sounds like a, a granddad accountant or something. And uh, I think there's a generation of people in America who would just be like, just wouldn't get our joke about him and would just be like, Bob Gibson was a great player. What do you want about? So, um, yeah, if you, if you are offended by our podcast, then apologies. If
0: anybody's interested in the uh, erotic Bob Gibson uh, <laughs> literature, uh, I might also suggest Absolute Bunts. They are <laughs> they have some some interesting things going on uh, on a weekly basis. Yeah, that was a,
2: that was a level too far for even us. I think we, we, we Henry downloaded an erotic novel, and I was like, I'm not sure we're going to be able to do this in all good faith on the podcast.
0: Well, thank you once again for joining us. Uh, I think we are going to, if it's okay with you this week, we will we will uh, play our, our audience out with uh, your rendition of Ave Maria, mm. which is uh, you have actually uh, tailored uh, towards Angel's pitcher Jaime Baraja. You'll just have to listen. I can't pronounce his name. <laughs> so, John, thank you once again for joining us. Uh, Mark, uh, do you have time next week? You want to do another show?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I think uh, I think in between all these uh, celebrations and of, you know, our Independence Day, no offense, John, uh, <laughs> I think I'll have some time to work that in.
0: <laughs> all right. Uh, just a reminder, uh, beyond following Absolute Bunch, you can follow us as well on social media. We are at Two Strike Noise, TWO Strike Noise on both Twitter and Instagram. And until then, we will see you next week on Two Strike Noise. Good night, everybody.